story one chapter five of the dwarf's chamber and other stories by fergus hume this librivox recording is in the public domain story one chapter five the new gulliver wiseacres who are merely simpletons in disguise are fond of declaring that romance is a thing of the past although by so foolish an assertion they unwittingly nullify their claim to wisdom unable by reason of their shallow understandings to take in other than external evidence they deem romance to appertain exclusively to courts of kings and pickerooning expeditions to require doublets and swords and masks to necessitate haunted chamber lonely castle and picturesque inn as though romance which may be termed the miracle of circumstance were not independent of wardrobe scene and conjunction of planets romance is as much with us to-day as ever it was with our forefathers but less apparent to the eye less insistent in thrusting itself athwart the current of daily life it conceals itself under the mask of the commonplace to him who seeks shall it be given in the present instance algernon warwick by no means heroic in circumstance or requirement found himself placed almost against his will in as romantic a situation as was ever conceived by poet or novelist to say that a handsome youth apparently a disguised noble took shelter in a village inn penetrated through a wild forest and scaled the walls of a feudal castle to rescue an enchanted princess is to treat the subject in the romance vein to relate that a fiddling tramp slept in a wayside hotel trespassed on private property and feloniously gained admission into a country house where he saw an undersized lady is to tell the same story in plain words yet the one description is fitted for a fairy tale while the other similar in all respects smacks of everyday life in this way when a story is related in plain prose does your wiseacre refuse to credit it with the elements of romance nevertheless romance it may be called warwick considered his adventure by the light of an imaginative brain and far from scorning it as commonplace and prosaic he adorned it with all the hues of fantasy miss lelanro was not an undersized lady but a dwarf who doubtless had elfish blood in her veins the country house was an enchanted castle dr price a fair representative of a kindly magician and blunderbore a giant dull and spiteful in such wise can the alchemy of a youthful and poetic imagination transmute the prosaic into the romantic yet he had some excuse for so poeticizing for the strangeness of his surroundings lifted his life out of the ordinary commonplace of existence the dwarfish lady was full of fancies concerning the reason of her tiny stature and although dr price hardened man of science as he was professed to explain the matter on physiological grounds warwick infinitely preferred the fantastic legend related by madame tot you must know said she several days after his unexpected arrival that one of my ancestors sir james lelanro went to visit the old fairy house of his father leolandru the hut was ruined and the boat gone so unable to cross the river or to retrace his steps sir james wrapped himself in his mantle and lay down on the bare ground to sleep until morning 
by chance he had gathered a twig of the rowan tree which protects mortals from fairy power and also gives them fairy vision with the rowan twig in his hand sir james woke at midnight when the moon was full and he saw the little people arrayed in green holding their revels they danced and sang and drank their wine a broom from goblets of gold fashioned by the gnomes not knowing that sir james by the magic of the rowan twig could espy their solemnity they paid no attention to his presence but skipped merrily in the moonshine remembering the story of the musgraves one of whom thieved a crystal cup from the fairies since called the luck of edenhall which brought fortune to the family sir james thought he would steal a goblet also so as to ensure a fair future to his race with this idea he stretched out his hand and picked up a fairy cup lying on the grass then the little people knew that he saw them and with furious gestures demanded back their golden goblet sir james refused to restore it and as they were unable to harm him because of the rowan twig the chief fairy pronounced a doom on him and his you have stolen our cup said the fairy and for that we will steal a child from every generation of your family it will be taken to fairyland and we will leave in its place a changeling who will work woe to you and yours with this speech the fairies vanished and sir james fell asleep he awoke to find himself on the wet grass amid the ruins of leolandro's hut with the golden goblet firmly clutched in his right hand and so took his departure from the spot since then said madame tot solemnly the little people have stolen a child from every generation of the lelanros and left in place of it a changeling i am no lelanro mr warwick though i call myself one for the real mortal is in fairyland and i am the changeling you are then a fairy said warwick smiling at the belief of the little creature a fairy without the power of one gravely replied the dwarf in all good faith i am of fairy stature i wear the livery of the little people but my power is taken from me and i shall work no spells till i return at the end of my mortal life to fairyland and what of the goblet which caused all this trouble does it still exist no a grandson of sir james lelanro sold it to supply the necessities of charles stuart when he was in need of money no one knows where the fairy cup now is she added but the changeling remains every generation of lelanros has had one of the little people placed in the cradle hardly had madame tot ceased speaking when feather-headed and inconsequent as a child she ran off in chase of a white butterfly and left warwick in the company of price they were in the garden under the shadow of the great wall and at the conclusion of the legend the young man turned towards the doctor with a smile so much for the ideal said he inquiringly now for the real what is the reason of this dwarfish strain in the lelanro family i am afraid science cannot answer that question replied price shaking his head it is one of the mysteries of nature the lelanros are usually tall and well formed but every now and then a dwarf is born to every generation no sometimes a generation is free and all the children attain ordinary stature but the strain is sure to come out again even after the lapse of years there is physical as well as mental heredity you know mr warwick 
i believe so replied warwick mechanically for his thoughts were otherwhere i suppose these lelanro dwarfs never marry assuredly not said dr price emphatically who would marry an abnormal creature like that it would be cruel and unwise when a dwarf is born to the family it is placed here and its life is made as pleasant as possible that little being is far happier here than she would be were she allowed to be seen by all and mocked at for her deformity but she is not deformed oh not in the usual sense of the word assented the doctor thoughtfully but her stature is against nature were she fully grown she might be as hideous as caliban and yet be able to mix with her fellow-creatures as it is the very beauty of her diminutive person would attract attention and curiosity and as the lelanros are a proud family they naturally do not care to have one of their members so regarded by the world nobody knows of the existence of madame tot no one save myself simon and mrs vard the female attendant our little friend is kindly treated and as you see she has every comfort do you not think yourself that she is better here than exposed to the jeers of the world well i must say that i do she seems a childish being she is shrewd in some things mr warwick but having no experience of life she is still in the stage of childhood although close on sixty years of age sixty years of age sighed warwick sympathetically a long time to pass in captivity i beg of you not to use that word sir said the doctor reprovingly it is not captivity to her and you must not put such ideas into her head though perhaps added the doctor divining the reason of the sigh you object to your detention here not at all doctor i am willing to remain till lord lelanro arrives he is coming here next week mr warwick and he will then see you on the subject of your unfortunate intrusion here i hope you do not blame me for detaining you sir as all things being taken into consideration i could act in no other way i am not at all angry with you said warwick taking the hand of the elder man and i have no objection to pass a few weeks in the company of so accomplished a scholar but neither you nor lord lelanro need mistrust me as my lips are sealed by honour on all points regarding this place i will breathe no word of it to a soul i quite believe you mr warwick from the moment you came i saw that you were a gentleman i am afraid you saw wrong doctor replied the young man flushing i am not a born gentleman of that i know nothing mr warwick but you certainly give me a strong impression that your birth is not so lowly as you would imply some day i shall tell you my story doctor and then you can judge for yourself with this promise the other was obliged to be content although he could hardly contain his very natural curiosity concerning this attractive young stranger several times he had hinted at the advisability of warwick making a confidant of him but with constant good-humour the youth declined to reveal his past life if necessary i shall relate my history to lord lelanro said he decisively and it is very probable that as i have unwittingly become possessed of his secret i shall place myself unreservedly in his hands but till then dr price i prefer to keep my own counsel 
there was so much quiet determination in this reply that price could not but admire the good sense of the young man notwithstanding warwick's assertion of his humble birth the doctor could not believe that one so refined in looks and manner could come of other than gentle blood moreover in their frequent conversations warwick showed himself to be a well-educated man and in a moment of negligence let slip the information that he had been at a prominent public school as wandering fiddlers do not as a rule attend such high scholastic establishments the good doctor settled in his own mind that warwick was a youth of good family who had run away from home and feared to tell his tale lest he might be reclaimed by his parents yet as he confessed to twenty-two years of age and was therefore beyond tutelage this was hardly a satisfactory explanation nevertheless in default of a better it was accepted silently by dr price warwick found his life at the manor fairly pleasant the domain of the dwarfs was shut off from the rest of the house and beyond the barrier so placed he was not permitted to go the high wall along the river completely excluded strangers on that side and heavy doors stoutly barred kept out prying servants from the interior of the mansion madame tot as she was usually called had a suite of tiny apartments furnished commensurate to her size but the rest of the wing appertaining to the enclosed dwelling was arranged for the accommodation of grown-up people to warwick was assigned a comfortable chamber and he passed most of his time in the study of dr price or in the garden with madame tot for company that garden amused and delighted warwick it was three acres in extent and sloped gently from the house to the huge wall which overhung the river everything that art could do was done to make it a pleasant domain but all was on a dwarfish scale in keeping with the tiny stature of the mannequin there were stunted trees of no great size many low shrubs and wide spaces of lawn interspersed with brilliant flower-beds statues of white marble fashioned like tiny dolls stood on low pedestals a miniature venus smiled beside a shallow pool a dwarfish bacchus grasped an infinitesimal bunch of grapes a pygmy apollo bent a childish bow and hebe less in stature than madame tot herself proffered a doll's cup from her pedestal the efforts of the designer of this miniature paradise had been directed towards a complete reduction of everything to a size in keeping with the tiny personality of the dwarf flowers shrubs trees statues summer-house all were ideally small and the high walls surrounding this pygmy paradise looked inconceivably high in comparison with the domain they enclosed so rare a spectacle afforded warwick no little pleasure decidedly i am in the kingdom of lilliput said he on the first glimpse of this garden it is not given to every one to be a gulliver of the nineteenth century swift's fantasy has come true in my case End of chapter five